0: Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Straight final. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. I still am not sure what we did as a fan base to deserve this kind of football on Sunday against the Saints watching the Panthers lose yesterday 28-6. to I'm not sure what we did as a fan base to deserve this kind of football all year long. I just want to know and promise one, if we did what we did do what when we know it, I promise never to do it again so we don't have to experience this Panthers losing anymore. It's Wes and Walker, Josh Fitty, Marlowe filling in for the one and only Wes Bryant right here on Sports Radio 92 wfnz we appreciate you as always for sharing your time with us in the middays 12 to 3 p.m you can text us on the carolina men's clinic text line 704-570-9610 we already already got text rolling in 704 saying i'm pretty sure my eyes are about to start bleeding from watching this team that's from brent writing in i apologize brent it's really really rough right now big chris from shelby He's all capsing here. Fiddy. Can we please put Dalton in to stop the bleeding? Big Chris saying that Stanford P is writing all caps Fiddy with a bunch of exclamation points. So hopefully we can uh, move past what is some rough football with the Carolina Panthers and talking about them. But this is the team Fiddy. And uh, we've got people writing articles about, is this rock bottom? I've seen that headline four different times this year.
1: I thought we hit rock bottom in September when
0: we were 0-3. I thought it was 0-3. I thought it might have been after the Dolphins game. And then we stop. We go above rock-bottom level once we beat Houston here in Carolina. And then we lose the next game against the Colts. And then we lose the next game against the Bears. Okay, there we have some rock-bottom stuff. And now we're asking it again. But I can understand why. Was that as hard a football game to watch as you've seen this year? Because... I'm not even saying that that was the worst the Panthers have performed, even though it was really bad, especially offensively. But I just was not entertained on any level. There was zero entertainment watching this game. Miles Sanders with the 48-yard run, that was nice. But then once they're on the goal line, to be dropped back, you lose 10 of it. There was just nothing redeeming about this game. Couldn't find it. Miles Sanders run. That was it. Other than that, couldn't find anything else positive.
1: If you go back a decade or so ago, Walker, remember we used to make fun of the AFC South games whenever we did, like they were always the Thursday night games. We'd have to watch Blake Bortles of Jacksonville and Jake Locker of Tennessee, like do battle on a Thursday night in the AFC South. That is what the NFC South has turned into because yeah, yesterday from the Panthers perspective, was Jimmy Clausen esque, and whenever you're being mentioned in the same breath as Jimmy Clausen, the guy that Mel Kiper once threatened to quit his 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 job mm-hmm. if he missed on him, that's where the Panthers are right now. And for all the Bryce haters yesterday. That game was only going to fuel their fire for their hatred of their quarterback moving forward.
0: Uh, I love that Brent is writing in immediately. He said, OMG, PSL email. Timing could not be worse. Yeah, that's from Brent with a PSL email. Uh, 704, I know keep preparing for Bryce Young is important, but we need better QB play to see what we have in the rest of the offense. All caps, put Andy Dalton in. Playmaker Baker writing in, we aren't at rock bottom yet. I feel like we are on a 2003 2019 Browns trajectory that went to rock bottom. You said we're not there yet. And then you said, I feel like we're the Cleveland Browns from 2003 to 2019, a 16 year drought of good football, not seeing it anywhere. That would be pretty bad. Rock bottom. Yeah. 980 is uh, bringing up a good point. Derek Brown's performance. The only redeeming thing in that game, he continues to be a monster, we need more of them, though, Fiddy. We need more monsters out there. Let's go ahead and pull up to the scene. Mr. Bus Driver doing it all today. Mr. Versatility in Josh. Fiddy Marlowe. Pull up to the scene. Open up the doors. Let's get off the bus, Fiddy.
1: We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can, it.
0: can I ask a Boston question real quick before we dive into this Panthers game?
1: As long as it doesn't involve that Roy guy. I miss Roy. Oh, could, Roy. I mean, could Roy run the board and co-host the show? He sounded pretty
0: good on here when we had him on up there. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if he could run the board. Maybe after a day's worth of teaching, if he could shadow you for a day. Would you welcome that just so Roy could hop on the mic every once in a while and hop on the board every now and then?
1: I'd welcome the ability to sabotage
0: somebody. (laughs) Roy, we missed you, bud. Shout out to Roy all the way up there in Boston. Um, The Boston question that I have is, I was there on the goal line. I mentioned it, right? We get to see Army with a goal line stand. One more play to go. Navy goes with the QB sneak, far out QB sneak, by the way. But they roll with the QB sneak, seeing if they can score a touchdown to possibly send it to overtime. You still needed a two point conversion. But I was right there, Fiddy. Could not get any closer to the action without getting kicked off the field by security. So I'm right there, I got my phone out. It's like, wait, I might as well just get this video. I'm here. I know I usually don't do the video stuff because I want to take it in live. But who else is gonna have this kind of shot? I almost had an obligation to take the video. But then Smoke brought up a good point once I put the video out there on Twitter. He tweeted back at me, this was you during a thrilling game thrilling finish to that Army-Navy game and it was a picture that Wes had taken earlier of me on my phone taking a picture at a Boston Celtics game. And so my question is, is it okay that I filmed that or should I have just taken that in live and not felt this need to record it because I'm right there, man. I feel like I need to record a special moment like that.
1: I mean, like I, I think from a documentation standpoint, like whenever you're old and you got gray hairs, you can tell people about, man, I was there to watch a thrilling finish to an Army-Navy game, but you could also show them, that, you know, instead of having to describe it. You could show them, like, hey, this is how close I was. This wasn't you you, zoomed in a thousand percent to make it look like you're close. That's correct. Like, you were were there. This was not your uncle
0: showing you the big bass that he caught by showing the bass right in front of the camera and him holding it forward. It was me actually there. I was not holding the bass forward in that photo.
1: So, you know, I I think in this day and time, I mean, even me, you know, I'm very big on documenting my experiences when I go places and everything like that. Like, you were in Boston for the Army-Navy game and you got a thrilling finish. To say that you have it on video where you could go back and look at that mm-hmm. and show your kids down the line, I think 20, 30 years from now, you'll reflect on that in a good way.
0: All right. Roy needs to move on over. Fiddy agreeing with me? Getting back in the good graces there, Fitty. Roy, I, I'm, I've i already forgotten him. I'm just kidding. I'm Palpatine. So take that, Smoke. Take that. I did want to ask that question, though. If you are at a game where there is something thrilling that could potentially happen at the end of said contest, do you got your phone out? Are you free-burdening it, making sure that you bring the phone out with the light shining through and making sure you record that for future reference, or are you trying to take that in and just have the memory, just have the legend that is the story without any video evidence? How do you roll at some of those games, 7045709610?
1: I also think what plays a role in it, Walker, is that you're not – I mean, you weren't in the Army. You weren't in the Navy. So, like, it wasn't one of your teams. Like, you were there as a spectator at an event. Now, like, let's say it's Game 7 – Eastern Conference Finals in the Spectrum Center, Hornets, Bucks, and, and and Lamelo hits a three to send the Hornets to the finals. I think for you in that instance, maybe you just want to experience that because you've never experienced that. That's a good point. But when you're going to something as a as a uh, you know as a spectator at an event. No, document the absolute mess out of that so you can look back and not only just tell people about it, but show people what you got to do and experience.
0: Thank you, Fiddy. I appreciate the support. Again, text your thoughts on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. The number is 704-570-9610. I guess we'll get back to this Carolina Panthers game. Fitty, I mentioned it in Charlotte sports today. It was one of the worst viewing experiences watching a football game that I've ever seen. And we saw an 0-3 football game this weekend and this one was still harder for me to watch because I knew this one wasn't going to be close. Carolina goes into halftime, down 14-3. 14-6 at least going into the fourth quarter, but was there any confidence that Carolina was going to be able to march the ball down the field and score? The Saints end up scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter to make that 28-6, but here are some of the stats that we can go to. Uh-oh. Adam Thielen, 5 for 74. Decent game from him. Chuba Hubbard. 23 carries, 87 yards. I, I probably shouldn't have been as hyperbolic with the zero redeeming qualities. There were some, but also it kind of makes you want to pull your hair out even more so. When you have 204 yards rushing, where Miles Sanders had the big 48 yard run, Chuba just solid all day, under four yards per carry, but they were still successful running the football with Chuba Hubbard. Even Bryce Young had the long 21 yard rush, 40 yards for him, 200 yards, and yet you still lose that poorly to a division rival. Bryce Young was 13 of 36 yesterday for 137 yards passing.
1: And he was nine of 28, I think at one point, three of 15 in the first half.
0: You go to a very similar figure when I'm watching that game. Wait, is it really that bad? I knew it was bad, but do my eyes deceive me? Do I really see a nine for close to 30 mark here for Bryce Young completing passes? He missed the touchdown to Jonathan Mingo. And Josh Klein put it well, I thought, on Twitter, where, okay, every QB, they miss guys going deep. They miss throws. It happens for even the best ones. But when you have such a slim margin for error, you can't miss those touchdowns because you'll never see it again. You are not going to see, especially from Jonathan Mingo, who we also want to see develop. If he's open, he's running downfield, he has separation, and it's going to be for a score? Bryce Young, even with the adequate amount of time, not able to hit him. And that's the thing that was really frustrating yesterday. Not only do we see Bryce Young only, compete 13, only complete 13 passes out of the 36 attempts. Not only do we see him not throw for a touchdown. We don't see a touchdown on all, at all on Carolina's side. But man, Jonathan Vilma. Jonathan Vilma might be the most hated Panthers, most hated color analyst from the Panthers fan base in all of football right now. All he did in the second half of this game was reminisce about his old Saints buddies. Yeah, we know. You played with Jari Evans. That's fantastic, Jonathan. We got it. We know that Jimmy Graham was a dog that he was talking about. He was the best tight end during the late 2000s, early 2010s. We got it. Oh, hopefully the Saints can come away with some points here. For who? For what? I don't hope the Saints score any points. But you are because, of course, you're a Saints player that is just relishing in the moment. Oh, yeah, and then Kenny Albert. Oh, I bumped the Super Bowl ring every single time before we hop on. That's great, Kenny. That's great. It was just a big old Saints show up there while we were getting destroyed. Have I mentioned that it wasn't a pleasurable viewing experience? <laughs> Have I mentioned that yet, Fitty? It was god-awful.
1: Factor in when he talks about Sam Mills. It was through, and you know, Sam Mills played eight years in New Orleans. But when he referenced the Carolina Panthers, it was in passing. Oh yeah, he played for the Panthers for a few years as well. It's like now that 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 dude was the heartbeat of the franchise oh, yes. for the first ten years. The saying that you know for the hashtag and the franchise's mantra comes from that guy. This is what happens when you're a bad football team. You get given bad broadcasting crews. Yesterday was bad. We didn't talk about the the Bucks game. Cause you had Curtis Lofton and Jay Feely, a kicker mm-hmm. behind a microphone mocking the route trees that the Carolina Panthers were running, and so this is what happens when you hit rock bottom. You get rock bottom performances commented by rock bottom broadcasters.
0: Yeah, we have some people writing in about Vilma. 720 said I put the game on mute after the first five minutes. Just done. I think everybody else should have followed that advice. Playmaker Baker said I wanted to put a bounty out for Vilma during that game. Mm-hmm. I see what you did there, Baker. I like that. I absolutely see what you did. Roger the Irishman saying Vilma was so bad. Yeah, it was, it was awful watching Vilma clearly be biased, but not even the bias. Just the nonstop. Like if you want to reminisce on some of that stuff, okay, great. But let's not do it for the entire last 10 minutes. Although it was it was everything, it was Jonathan Vilma's own version of John Gruden and Mike Tarico going to the blender in a blowout on Monday Night Football. That was the version, except it hurt a little more because that's a division rival that we've seen have success via a Super Bowl championship in the past, and that's why it hurt a little more. So
1: yeah, I I forget what what backup storyline they went to in a 14 to 6 game but like 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 that's how you know it was over like when it's a one possession game and Kenny Albert is forcing a con- like a conversation or no there was some package that they wanted to run in a one possession game so he's talking not about the game so Fox could run this package that their graphics guy put together in the pregame what
0: are we doing? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we're still there. We're going to show you, we'll, we'll see you next weekend, by the way, Panthers football. The Sam Mills comments really pissed me off. That's 704. Tony from Lake Norman writing that in. And then we got some other text about whether I should have been on my cell phone recording the goal line stand by Army. 803, just have the memory. nine eight zero. Everything is viewable online nowadays. You can pull it up on YouTube and say, hey, I was there. Be in the moment, brother. Most people are telling me to put my phone away. In that instance, I just—I was so close. That's why I did it. I mean, I apologize, people.
1: You—you were—I mean, you were literally, like you said, as close as you could get, without, you know, a security officer or maybe Mm -hmm. a member of the army or the navy removing you from the field. Like, and so, I was—I was surprised it was you. Doing the documentation Well
0: Wes did too But he got out there A little bit later Once we got to the Fourth quarter Yeah And so he didn't have The front row seat Like I did Or I'm just standing Right in front right there And so Wes A little bit of a different angle Still incredible view though Yeah Very cool Also Got to see Bill the Goats out there. A couple goats hanging out on the sideline. Wes did document that. And you can go follow him on Twitter and on Facebook. On Twitter, his handle is at Wes Bryant underscore 72. Follow the show handle on Twitter at Wes and Walker. I'll throw my own out there at Walker Mail also. We got plenty more to dig into with this Carolina Panther football game. Are we in worst team in history territory? Is that where we are? No, I don't mean Detroit Lions' defeated season. I mean just Panthers history. Are we in worst season in Panthers history territory? Let's break it all down. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. I tell you one other thing that really bothered me about Jonathan Vilma yesterday? Yeah. Believe it or not, there was something else. He went back to what I also heard time and time again in the early 2010s, saying repeatedly that Jimmy Graham played basketball when at college. At Miami. At Miami, yes, that's true. Yo, hey, don't forget, Jimmy Graham played basketball at Miami. It's Chris Hogan lacrosse. It's Tony Gonzalez playing at Cal. It's Antonio Gates playing at Kent State. We get it. This tight end that was very good played college basketball, and now he uses that when you get in the red zone. You box him out, kind of like you're going for a rebound. He can go up and get it because he's that star athlete. Yeah, man, we get it. And he said it twice. Like, we know. We remember all the commentary from the early 2010s about Jimmy Graham playing college basketball. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. That's the voice of Josh Fitty Marlow. You may have heard of him, usually in a producer role. When I was doing both, producer and co-host here on this Monday edition of Wes and Walker. I asked if we were in worst team in Panthers history territory. And then I asked you to text in. Carolina Men's Clinic text line 704-570-9610. 803 wrote in franchise all-time rock bottom first time in nfl history the team has earned the number one pick but doesn't get it because they traded it away before a qb of the future that is uh suspect at best we can continue on playmaker baker he said yeah that year before we got cam was bad 704 said the same thing i don't know about the worst year the jimmy clausen year was really bad 704 worst team in charlotte sports history that's brent writing it again
1: well Car- we got a seven and 59 nba team to our ledger here
0: well if we're going charlotte sports history yeah nothing's messing with the seven and 59 season um carolina brinks wrote in yes walker this is the worst season we will finish one and 16 we got a lot more to get to steve carolina cat Walker, yes, we are. We are looking like one in 16. First time ever to do so. To make the trade, we did get to the number one pick and then turn around and then earn the number one pick and not have it. By far the worst season in franchise history. 704, do y'all think that... The defensive coordinator will keep his job or get fired at the end of the season let's dig into that a little bit later uh 562 this is becoming a lost decade like the Bengals had in the 90s y'all remember akili smith yes we do micah from dallas what was different about the first quarter of the dolphins game how do we get back to that and last one eric wrote in absolutely this is worst team in panthers history territory If focusing solely on the offense, considering Young is far and away a better QB prospect than either Winky or Clausen was, that probably speaks to the talent on offense as a whole. Maybe the defense is better than it was in one or 10. Well, I'll tell you, yes, it is. That's the one thing saving them from not being the worst team in Panthers history. 2010 is the number you got to go to. That's the year they were two and 14. It's the Jimmy Clausen year. I know. Don't gasp. I'm sorry if I scared you. It's the Jimmy Clausen year. They were 32nd. In points scored on offense. They were dead last also in total yards gained per game with Jimmy Clausen at the helm. the Problem is the defense wasn't good either. And in fact, when they even had the turnaround a little bit with Cam, their defense wasn't great that season. That was the year before you got Luke Keekly and you had some linebacker death, but you're still battling injuries with John Beeson. And so they were 28th. Excuse me. They were in defense. Yeah, they're 26th in points allowed in 2010. So the defense wasn't even all that great either. We go to the one in 15 season. They were 29th and 30th in points scored and yards gained for all of the offenses. And the defense was 28th in points allowed and 31st in yards allowed. So each of the worst seasons in Panthers history before we get to this one, the defense was really, really bad. Whereas in this season, you know what the Carolina Panthers rank according to pro football focus in yards allowed per game? They're fourth in defensive rank. You know what it is in points per game? 31st. You know what that says? That says there's a lot of opportunities that the opposition is getting on a short field because the Panthers are turning it over via fumble, maybe an interception, whether it's the offensive line or Bryce Young's fault. These teams are working with short fields, and so they're scoring at a real high clip but they're not gaining a lot of yards because, Fiddy, they don't really have to in order to put points on the board. And you saw a little bit of that, especially with that turnover Bryce had early in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I always reference that 2010 season as the worst Panther season. I've I've experienced because I was four or five years old and during that 2001 year where Carolina was 1-15. I think why you have such an argument for this being the worst season is because think about where we were in January, after they hired Frank Reich, we were optimistic about the hire. Think about where we were in March when they traded away to go get the number one pick in the draft, which we knew was going to be Bryce Young. For the three of us on this show, very ecstatic about that move. You go back to you know OTAs, training camp, and all that. It was nothing but positive vibes. But that, I mean, I mean, that's like, what you- hurts.
0: No, you're right. It, it What hurts all the time for people, and I'm <laughs> not to get philosophical about life but that's what kills you even in life in general when you come in with a certain expectation that it's going to be a complete 180 that this is going to be one of the best years or it's one of the best things happening and then the bottom falls out from under you and there's nothing you can do about it that sweat that that snap change, that done, like all the good feelings are taken from you. They're stripped from you. And then there, there's almost this disorienting, disorienting panic because, oh, wait, I thought we were supposed to be good. We're 0-3. Oh, now we're 0-6. Oh, we got one win. Oh, wait, now we're 1-12 and and its worst team in history when we were just having the exact opposite conversation about this being one of the best off seasons in Panthers history.
1: You know, I mean, look, and even going into the season, I had them as a playoff team. I had them at 10 and 7. I don't remember where you had them. I think you had them at 9 and 8. Wes had him at six and 11, but that's still an improvement from what we've seen in regular seasons under Matt rule. Like it felt like the, it felt like this was going to be the start of the real David Tepper era as the owner of the Panthers, That like this franchise was coming into, you know, a, 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 a new era that's going to be documented and they're going to get back to their relatively competitive and winning ways. And this is the worst team in football. And there's some other bad teams in the NFL, but it's it's not as bad as what we've watched now for 13 weeks in Carolina, and I know it, you know a single off season can change, and you can go from worst to first in the NFL as much as any other sport we have here in America. But it doesn't feel like they're climbing out of this hole anytime soon.
0: No, it does not. Let's read some text. People have a lot of thoughts on this subject matter. Seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. This is where I think Stanford P makes a really good point. If you take everything into consideration about this season on field, front office. Yes, this is the worst year in Panthers franchise history. A lot of that has to do with the expectations that we just mentioned, but they also don't have a first-round pick to help them get out of this. Nope. If you go back to 2010, the last time that we can go back to an awful, awful year, they were awarded the number one overall selection. So when we move to how do we get out of this, A Heisman-winning championship QB in Cam Newton, he's going to help you a little bit. That guy that would win an MVP award, that would bring a team to a Super Bowl, that would post a historic season in the NFL, could have been capped for the championship, but just came up a little short. That guy, that's going to help you change a lot of things around, but they're not going to have that impactful of a pick because they don't have a
1: first-round pick. Maybe Jaden Daniels falls to the 33rd pick of the NFL draft.
0: Oh, so this is this where we are? Is this where we are? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I can't get there. there you're not going to be the only one, though. I mean, this is oh, and, and we're only and, half kidding. People are going to want to do that.
1: And I don't I don't believe in it. Like I'm still a I'm still a Bryce guy, even after going 13 of 36. But mind you, we're going to have that conversation when we start doing our draft talk. After we get done with this coaching search.
0: 33 overall draft talk. I, I've never started there before, but we will this year.
1: And there are going to be people that are going to want us to identify the best second-round quarterback prospect that the Panthers could draft. That's, that's, that's where we are a year after drafting a quarterback that won a Heisman Trophy in Alabama, took the Crimson Tide to the playoff, and that the Carolina Panthers owner crashed a, pe- a press conference telling you, guys, he's a point guard. We found our guy.
0: It feels like all of the dysfunction is coming to a head with David Tepper at the helm. We didn't get this with Jerry Richardson at that time from a football operations standpoint. There are clearly things to criticize Jerry, especially the way that he sold the franchise anyway, the way that he was forced to. If you are trying to figure this out from a football operations standpoint, David Tepper being here... That does not comfort you that this team is going to figure it out. And Gardner Webb James says y'all are too young. People thought George Seifert was going to win another Super Bowl with the Panthers. That 2001 team was hyped up. Maybe I am wrong. I don't remember that as much, being as I was nine years old, eight years old at the time. Let's ask Smoke. We could, yeah. Let's ask Smoke. He can go back. We can ask anybody else that was living it, but there are plenty of people that are way older than us on this text line that do remember 2001. And they're saying, no, this is the year. And it's because of all the off field drama happening right now. It's because we got Tepper with the press conference that Mm -hmm. lasts 10 to 14 minutes. (laughs) It's because we have the offensive coordinator's wife tweeting, Hey, this guy's going to get fired at the end of the season too. You think we're having fun doing this? You think Thomas Brown is having fun calling plays? Yeah, that was an actual thing. And then she deleted her account. We have the article, I don't know how explosive it is, that feels like a little too much of an exaggeration, but that athletic article from Joe Person and Diana Rossini, they certainly revealed a lot of stuff for us to raise an eyebrow and be like, oh, that doesn't look very good. No matter what, no matter where you go on the totem pole, high up with David Tepper, GM Scott Fitterer, head coach, guys undermining him by tweet by texting David Tepper, about the head coach, David Tepper, also talking to the coaching staff about the front uh, about the footwork of your QB, all of that, all of that too, that goes into how you feel about your favorite team, and because of that, I think it's the off the field stuff uh, too, Fitty, that makes this the worst season in Panthers history, especially. Given the expectations coming into the
1: year. Yeah, and I mean look, there there was front office dysfunction in twenty ten, but it was just different from what we got right now in twenty twenty three. Because what what came after that disastrous twenty ten NFL season? Came the lockout, came the work stoppage, which Jerry Richardson at the time being the you know, he was a part of the good old boys club, he was gonna protect the shield. And he knew it was coming, and that's a big reason why. There, I mean, that, that that payroll was awful. It's why there was no talent on the roster from top to bottom. This is this is different type of dysfunction. You've got you basically put together a group of tattletales that were running back and forth <laughs> to the owner to complain about somebody or something. And I, I mean, look, I, I'm sure it's happened in other organizations. I'm sure it's happened at, at different times of dysfunction in Cleveland or in Detroit, but I mean, I, I read that article. I've read that article three times just to make sure that what I was reading, not, not saying that it wasn't true, but like I just wanted it to be reconfirmed that like this type of stuff wasn't is happening in, in, in that front office, because you just never thought like there's always a worst case scenario, right? When you put together an all-star coaching staff, I saw it firsthand with my Mets. They put together the highest payroll in baseball history. They fell flat on yeah, their did. face.
0: That's a good point from you. Yeah. But
1: I, I don't. I never thought worst case scenario was one in twelve, <laughs> and that is exactly where we are, Walker. We are at one in twelve.
0: So there, there are plenty of people that are more so going to that 2001 year than the 2010 year. People have hopped off that being the worst season in Panthers history. If you go to 2001, that's when Chris Winkie started 15 games and it clearly didn't go well. 11 touchdown passes, 19 interceptions, 2,900 passing yards, and the one victory. We can just really start there. But then you go to the next year. Okay, how did they get out of it? I mean, Rodney Pete comes in. He's not much better. Not as bad a touchdown to interception ratio, but not nearly as bad. If you look at some of the guys that they had on that team, Lamar Smith for over 700 yards rushing as your leading uh, leading rusher. That's not good. As your leading receiver, Steve Smith and Moosin Muhammad were on that squad, but those are I'm sorry, that was 2002. 2001, you're talking about the leading receivers being of course, you know. It's going to be Moosin up there. Donald Hayes had 600 yards. So I think Smitty really helped them once he started coming into his own after his draft and not being just a special teams guy, but yeah, that, that's the thing that worries me even too. Fitty, we, we go back to 2001, which is where people are heading more towards saying that's the worst year in NFL history or Panthers history. <laughs> Steve Smith, being a rookie, special teams, Pro Bowl guy, very clearly showed an ability on the football field that he just might be special. Yeah. The guy was a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Where is the young guy on this team that is showing, oh, okay, he just might be special. If you believe in Bryce still being that kind of guy, then all of your hope is transferred from this offseason. Not me, me and Wes. We defend Bryce and you too. Like we all defend Bryce. If this thing is fixed around him, then we can truly evaluate him. But what I can't tell you is that there's plenty of evidence to choose from to suggest that he is going to be a special QB. If you point to him and think he still has that chance, it's all from what he did at Alabama. It's all from what you heard about via the draft process, all of the positive articles written about him. There's really not a ton to choose from here because the team hasn't allowed him to do so. But also, you even have the Mingo miss yesterday. The margin of error is so slim. So when he doesn't capitalize on it, there's not going to be much evidence to point to and say he can be the franchise guy.
1: Yeah, no, you, you mentioned, you know, who's that young offensive playmaker that's going to stand out and make his presence felt for the next decade. That guy doesn't exist. Y'all had Ross Tucker on with you on Friday when y'all were live at a Radio Row in Army Navy. And without blasting Adam Thielen, he said that the fact that he's your best skill position player at 34 years old is problematic. I think the one thing I've learned about Bryce as a guy that. Uh, was of the opinion that he should have been the pick is that like two thirds of the quarterbacks in the NFL, he's got to have a lot of good around him. This isn't a guy that's going to make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken crap. He's got to have an adequate offensive line, at least his rookie season. Yes. and, and, And he has to have, when you, when you have a kicker, diagramming on the television screen that your <laughs> wide receivers are not getting separation how is that the quarterback's fault no
0: but this is the thing though and i love this that you're going with that i think most people feel the same way you do but he did play a lot longer in the nfl than i did i will tell you that well,
1: yeah, i mean look <laughs> yeah, yes, he has a jersey he has a shoulder pads he, he puts on knee pads maybe he puts on a jock strap but is that okay. – I think I'm just as qualified to talk about <laughs> offensive football as a kicker. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe if, if it was Adam Vinatieri, I mm-hmm. wouldn't push back on that guy. Jay Feely, I'm going to have a – but I just don't get it. So to hear. it's the
0: success of the kicker yes. that matters in this. Okay. But I just I, wanted to know.
1: I just don't get for like the Bryce haters. And like, look, yes, and it's, it's, the 1 in 12 starts making it easy to pile on this guy. But we had the stat yesterday in the pregame before the game. Bryce Young had been sacked 44 times. He'd also escaped 27 sacks. That leads the NFL. He could have been sacked 71 times going into the game yesterday. How in the crap mm-hmm. is any of this his fault?
0: You can be in the middle. I know it's not exactly the best radio etiquette to go into the middle of some of this. Mm, straddle the line. Well, Bench riding. Well, because some of it can be Bryce's fault. And I know what you mean, Fiddy. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean, because clearly everything around him, you you can't. I don't know how much you can win with this offensive line, even with the best QBs in the league. You'll win more than one game. okay? I'm not trying to get it too crazy here. You're going to win more than one game with better QBs, Pro Bowl level QBs behind this offensive line. Okay, where would they be
1: with Andy Dalton?
0: maybe a couple more wins. I don't like know. Like three and 10. That's what I'm thinking. Probably something like that. Like, I, I, and look, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, and I don't even like saying that to
1: be honest with you. Cause I don't know. I don't know. It probably would look better. And and I don't think it's all their fault. I, and I don't want to sit here and bash Bradley Bozeman, Austin Corver, these are good guys. They're good football players. They're good in the community, but they got put in a situation where they were being asked to not play to their strengths And when they're getting their butts whipped Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you had a head coach who, knowing this was his last stand, was not willing to adapt to make sure he blasted in the NFL. Do you think those guys are confident when they walk out on the field every Sunday? Well, yeah. And, and Fiddy, it's not even –
0: I think Thomas Brown and some of the script, and we'll move to break after this, I do think that Thomas Brown, by running the football as much as he is, I like that idea. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the crucial down play calling that has us, you know, that has our head spinning right now. That's real bad. But we have seen better pass blocking numbers from this offensive line in the last couple of games. It feels like there's a little more time because Bryce is just a little more under center. You know, Taylor Moten was very good in pass protection yesterday. You had Ikea Aquanu. I was, you know, I mean, not great. But these guys are playing better, I think, more so than what they were at the beginning. Yet it's still not good enough. I mean, you still have Bradley Bozeman really struggling in pass protection. But these guys are better run blockers. As a unit, they're better run blockers. And so that's what has to help them more so. And yes, people writing in about the footwork. We touched on that Friday. Bryce Young is going to have to help his offensive line. it's it just It's a bad operation all the way around. Let's take more of your phone calls. We've been going to the text line this entire show. Let's now open up the phone lines. You can dial in on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, but also on the phone line. Either way, it's the same number. 704-570-9610. If you want to air your thoughts and comments, you can do so by calling 704-570-9610. We'll have you on on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker, Fitty Filling In, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. It's Wes and Walker, Fiddy, filling in for Wes, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you don't want to wait during the break, I hear you on that. Not very patient myself. So you can call in now if you want to and then share your thoughts on the phone line 704-570-9610. I did want to revisit the how do we get out of this scenario because with all of the doomsday scenarios that we're painting right now, I mean, we, we weren't very positive about the Panthers in that last segment. Here we are having a conversation about whether it's the worst season in franchise history. Yeah, that's about as it. rock bottom you can go to use that phrase once more this season. But you can see teams get out of this predicament, you know, pretty regularly. You can see it. You can see teams really turn it around very quickly. It's harder to do without a first round pick, but also Fiddy, <laughs> whoever they bring in as the GM Whoever is going to be a part of the front office. Maybe it's fit. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. But you do have other picks. It's not like they traded all of their draft picks in next year's selection process to go get Bryce Young. You got rid of the most important one. That's for sure. But you do have a second. You have a third. And you have all the rest of your picks, if I'm not mistaken. I'll pull that list up. But you have a lot of picks to roll with. And you can use that. Towards building your roster on top of having enough money to work with in free agency. You know, this is a hard cap driven league and a hard cap makes a league very even. And so when you can't be like a baseball squad where you have seven hundred million dollars to throw at the best baseball player we've seen in a century. okay, you don't have that. Everybody's on an even playing field. You don't have even the luxury tax that's in the NBA that allows maybe Golden State or some of these teams that are playoff contenders to dip into more money to spend. Soft cap, but then, oh, all right, we can get in this luxury tax if we want to take care of Draymond and Steph and Clay and Andrew Wiggins and all that. The NFL is a hard cap, man. That makes it incredibly hard to get an advantage on some of these squads. So when you have so many bites at the apple in the NFL draft. You could hit on your first round pick and then miss all the way through. Kind of like the Carolina Panthers did for so long. Yep. But it might even out. You go 500, you might go 15 and one the next year and you might not make the playoffs the very season after. You might get lucky and win the division at 7-8 and 1 and then you're going to win 12 games. Either but you 12 games, 7-8 and 1, 15 take a back seat. don't make the postseason, get back there in 2017. The NFL is, it is constructed in a way that does allow teams that you still have to have good decision-making. You still have to fall into some luck just because every sport has to do that. Every team in American sports and sports in general has to do that. But there is a way for all of these teams to climb out from under the basement. And it just goes making smart free agent decisions, making good draft picks. And that's what we don't have a lot of confidence in right now, but there are plenty of examples of other awful football teams that we didn't have confidence that they would all figure it out, but then they still found a way to compete for the postseason consecutive years after being at the bottom for consecutive years.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it's it's not very likely that you're going to miss on every single draft pick and on virtually every single free agent acquisition outside of Adam Thielen for a second consecutive <laughs> off To me, it. And like, I know we've, we've beat this conversation into the ground and not to, to me getting out of it. You've got to get back in the first round, which means you've got to trade somebody. And I don't know if how you, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, how you're on board with paying Brian Burns the bag. And the problem is, is now is the value. And we knew this when they didn't make the trade last year, Yeah, the value was never going to be as good then after you told them, no, I still think you could get a first rounder for him. But to me, that's where it starts. Well, and
0: I wouldn't do it any. By the way, I want to make it very clear: I'm not trading Brian Burns for anything less than a first round. Yeah,
1: game. you got to be open to the fact you're probably getting maybe just a first round pick and may- maybe a day three pick. You're not getting two firsts and a second or two firsts and a third like you were last October. But this team and this roster is devoid of talent. They they need they need talent. The only way to get talent is to go draft it, and you got to get back up in the first round to find a way to do it. And there's going to be a contender that'd be willing to give up a pick in the twenties to get a pass rusher, the caliber of Brian Burns.
0: So we, we got some people writing in playmaker Baker on the Carolina men's clinic text line. There is a way out of this. A lot of good interior linemen in free agency, some possible good tackles could fall to us at 33. We just have to hit on our draft picks. And I do not have faith in Scott to make those picks. Well, I don't have faith that Scott's going to be here. And hopefully the front office, whoever that may be, hopefully that general manager can make the right decision. Uh, We can keep scrolling here on the text line. Uh, Yeah, Stanford P. writing in, continuing to write in. Do you honestly trust anyone in this high school front office to fix it? Yeah, but people get lucky sometimes, man. (laughs) In fact, it happens all the time. So, again, different regime. They don't have the history that Scott Fitterer does. So you bring that as a refresh. And also you might just get lucky because every front office you there's clearly a strategy that works. For instance, we go to Ozzie Newsome with the Ravens forever. They just drafted so well for so long that they're always going to be like a 500 season is a down year for Baltimore. We can go to the Cowboys. Honestly, I mean a 500 year for the Cowboys the last few seasons. That's somewhat of a down year, especially with the talent they've been able to accumulate via the NFL draft. So if Carolina can make smart decisions in free agency and the draft, then yeah, you can get out of this and pretty quickly is my point. Because it seems like relatively elementary analysis. Oh, all we have to do is get better players and we're better. Brilliant, Walker. Excellent analysis. But I think it happens a lot quicker than people realize. There are some teams that can really climb out. Look at what Carolina did after the, uh, the two-win season that they had in 2010. Yes, that's with Cam Newton. But also, you're talking about a pretty big change, even from the six-win season that they would have after that. And then you could see them start to really take off and eventually compete for NFC South titles and win uh, the division title three years in a row.
1: The biggest thing is going to come back to the big guy at the top, and that's the owner. Mm-hmm. And is he, and this is a hard thing to do when you're a self-made billionaire, is he capable of humbling himself and realizing that the mess that this franchise has been in since 2017 is in large part because of his meddling? We talked last week about his positives. There are positives to David Tepper being your owner. He's the second richest owner in the National Football League. So money is never going to be a problem, but he's got to, he's got to learn. He's got to separate himself from business tap and football tap. Cause I, I believe if he could ever do that and it's a hard thing to do when you've got the money that he has. And you know, you came from the franchise of the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers where all they are is stability. I think he will be a really great resource to a really great front office But he's got to understand that his resources is money, not his football acumen.
0: 336 writing in, Derek Brown deserves the Brian Burns bag. We also have Guy writing in, you are not going to want to do this, but you will have to trade both Burns and Derek Brown this offseason and try to get two first-round picks. The defense is going to stink, but you have to give Bryce assets and weapons. I think that's too much. I would keep Derek Brown. I would give him a lot of money. I think right now, if you look at the value of an interior defensive lineman, especially one playing as well as he is, it's not $30 million a year. He's not going to get that. No. So now you're talking about taking care of a valuable position, taking care of the guy that has actually been the best player on the best side of the ball by a long shot, even if it's a low bar. This defense has performed well this season. That's why people wanted Jero Avero back, either to be the DC or even the head coach. And Derek Brown has been the guy that starts it all up front. So you pay him, what, I don't know, $25 million, whatever is going to be in comparison for the top defensive tackles on the market. And this goes back to when Cam Newton said, David Tepper, Scott Fitterer, Matt Rule, they allowed some of those guys out of the organization that were stalwarts here. And it happened fast. I don't blame them for all of them. Those guys were just hitting their twilight years. Yep. Greg Olson was older. Ryan Khalil was older. When it Cam Newton's happens- shoulder was shot. But... A lot of talent left all at the same time, and that hurts. I don't want to do that if we can help it. If you want to argue that you couldn't help it at that time, great argument. I even agree with you to some degree. But with Derek Brown, I don't want to get rid of young, awesome talent just to see if we can hopefully get something else to help on the other side of it. Just keep them. You can still make an improvement by keeping them.
1: That's always going to happen with an ownership change. They're going to get rid of previous guys cuz they want to bring in their guys. And there's no denying that Cam, Greg, those guys weren't the same dudes they were 2 to 3 years ago, but what they brought to the locker room was, you know, immeasurable. You could not you could not put a a, a number quantity on how much that the, their their value meant. To the locker room. To me, there's no way in there's no way I'm trading Derek Brown. Last year, Fiddy would have traded him. Because <laughs> you know, before you and Wes had the Derrick Brown argument, I was the one that was pushing back saying, Man, that guy disappears. I, I I don't know if he's consistently that guy. Uh he's that guy. And you could argue if you're putting together a Mount Rushmore defensive lineman to wear the black and blue, oh. um, he's Ooh. he's there. Because <laughs> I've watched that grown man throwing other grown men around like it. And because if he would have quit, who would blame him, bro, you're one in 12, you're one in 12, man. Oh, you're going the, nowhere. He's
0: playing for the back, finish.
1: But, but but you're making an impact every Sunday, oh, which is, which is why I'm saying I'm with you, but I'm just, I, 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 you can build a defense around him. You can't build a defense around what Brian Burns has given you this season.
0: That's true. But also the fact that he's commanding a higher mark, the fact that he's going to be getting 30 million and then we go back to the Micah Parsons conversation, but I see franchise tag written all over this and it's going to be a mess of a situation. We'll see what happens this off season. Cause it went so well last off season. Let's bring it in with a smile on our face. Let's move on. We have the one o'clock hour about to hit you right in the face with so much great content. No campus corner. We don't want to take Wes's thing. That's his thing, man. I'm not going to do that to him. So we're coming up with a new corner. We're going to a different side of the room, the Queen City corner. It's coming up next. Wes and Walker, Josh Vitti Marlowe filling in. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.
1: Back and boom. They go together like like